Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. We're glad that you're back, and we're glad to be back with you. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who's up in New Jersey. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing just great. Uh, Things are just moving along fantastically with all the new news and all of the new uh, information about what's going on in our economy and all the new numbers. And, uh, geez, it looks like we're going to really knock off this year with some great stuff. So let me get right to it and uh, talk about our post-trip from last week. We had Cameron Hoy from Intracut Tool in Roanoke, Indiana, a small second generation manufacturing company, family owned business, and the challenges that he's faced over the years and how they have managed to move their company forward into the new millennial uh, millennium and uh, introduce advanced manufacturing and such to his company, which is a good insight into our listeners to see how it can be done. It's not impossible. And uh, so I suggest you all listen to that show and uh, take, take the hint from somebody who's done it. That all being said, uh, a couple of news items for today. And uh, just a little bit out of the realm of uh, our, uh, what we'd normally talk about, but I, I just wanted to make note that a uh, icon, a musical icon, Della Reese, uh, died today at the age of 86. So uh, we just uh, tip our hat to her and her past and all the music that she's uh, done for our generation and multi-generations uh, behind us. So my hat's off to her. Uh, news. The news is so incredible over the last couple of days, uh, maybe the last week or two, actually, that everything seems to be really rocking and rolling and going forward. The ISM, the Institute of Supply Management, came out with some terrific numbers, 58.7. Everything uh, uh, higher than 50 is showing expansion. Below is uh, uh, receding. Uh, but they've been at 50, over 50 for quite some time now. Um, the Strategis uh, gave us a report showing that their numbers are up 0.09. The Federal Reserve showed that we're up 1.9 for uh, the month of uh, October over uh, September. Housing starts. I mean, this is an incredible number. September over October, there was a 13.7 increase in new housing starts that's going into the winter i mean that's incredible so uh, construction is going to be uh, reflected in future reports is really doing uh, very well um, the industrial sector is just incredibly moving forward and a, a couple of items uh, in reference to that more specifically um, uh, tesla came out this week and uh, presented the fact that they're coming out with a 40-foot trailer uh, that will be uh, all electric and uh, with a 500-mile range, and they're not going to be using diesel fuel. That's going to throw a hole right into diesel fuel sales, Um, and that is, of course, if Tesla product works. It looks as though that uh, the... Road freight accounts for about a fifth of world oil consumption. Again, mostly diesel. And uh, trucks that are responsible for about 60% of the increase in global diesel demand since 2000 is going to reverse itself if, in fact, the diesel concept uh, works. So that's all uh, good news except for diesel. And... um, but it's all good news for all of us who are out there doing our manufacturing thing and manufacturing is really doing great. Um, The McKinsey report came out 
and they're predicting that the manufacturing GDP is going to climb by $3 trillion in real terms by the year 2025, which is only seven years away. That's a boost of about $530 billion or 20% increase over uh, current trends. So all in all, Tim, things are really looking great. And, and, you know, I'd have to report that uh, based on our sponsor, uh, All Metals and Forge Group, uh, we too are trailing and tracking right along with these numbers. We've had a a terrific two, three months and uh, the month of November, which is not reflected in any of the numbers that I just uh, spoke about, our November numbers are, they're going to be off the charts. And uh, I would suspect that the numbers I just quoted for November are also going to be quite good. So uh, we're all excited. We're all excited going to make for a merry merry christmas yeah that's right and a happy hanukkah well i'm glad things are going well Well, for our sponsor well now we don't do happy holidays anymore we make reflect we reflect on hanukkah kwanzaa and uh uh, you know merry christmas and uh I'm not remembering right now what the Seinfeld Christmas was. I think that it was, uh, come on, somebody. It was was Festivus for the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us. You folks in the Midwest might not remember that, but uh, that's what what Seinfeld referred to as uh, another holiday. So, Tim, it's up to you. Well, before we... Before we get too far off track, let's get to our guest. And this is our global show, by the way. If you folks aren't aware of it, uh, sometimes it's in two parts because we have so much content in it. Uh, we have Chad Moutre, who's the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. Chong Wang, who's our senior international correspondent in Asia. Royce Lowe, who is our senior international correspondent for the UK and the EU. And Norbert Orr, who brings to us uh, his review of 18 global surveys they do for the Purchasing Managers Index in Europe, Asia, North America, South America, just all over the world. So let's get started. Well, before you get to that, before you introduce the guests, I do want to present one uh, one point for all of our listeners before we get in, into the show. I just want to remind them of our new show, and that's called Wham! Women and Manufacturing, and it's about uh, accomplished women interviewing accomplished women. And we started that show about two weeks ago. We've had two shows so far, and it, by all uh, by all accounts, it seems though that we're getting a lot of feedback, uh, a lot of it from women, and it's uh, it's a great show. And uh, these are really incredible people. They're all high-level C-suite individuals. One of them was uh, Rosie the Riveter from uh, uh, 1942. She's about 90 years old, Um, a very uh, funny and very proud woman who's done a lot of work for uh, manufacturing uh, over the years. So I just want to point that out to go listen to our new show, Wham!, we're here with Chad Moutre, who's the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers, an organization that we greatly respect, and we're very pleased to have Chad on our show. Chad, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. It's always fun to be on your show. Uh, I remember doing this from an airport a couple months ago, so it's always, it's always <laughs> nice to right. not, be, not be flying someplace and actually just talking. That's right. We heard the gate <laughs> announcements while you were there. <laughs> So, so what would you like to talk about? You want to talk about manufacturing output? Absolutely. That'd be great. Okay. Well, I think I think last time I, talk, I was on this show, I talked about just how upbeat overall manufacturers are right now. You know, roughly you know, 90% of our members are positive about their own company's outlook. Uh, a little aside, we actually are doing that survey again, so hopefully in December we'll have, have some, some new or similar numbers to, to talk about. Uh, but we got a really nice bounce back last week in terms of manufacturing production numbers. You know, if, if you remember, uh, the hurricanes actually really knocked out, especially the chemical and petroleum sectors in, in, uh, from Harvey and Irma in both August and September. Uh, right. But we had a nice we had a nice bounce back. Manufacturing production was up 1.3 percent. 
uh, in October, so I'm bouncing back from where it was. Uh, and and the, you know, I think the real headline for me is that manufacturing production is up 2.5% over the last 12 months. Uh, so that's the best year-over-year -year number since August 2014, so so, so the best number in three years. Uh, nice. That really, I think, speaks to the fact that, that we're starting to get some traction. I know we've we've talked about that quite a bit before, but starting to get some traction in the economy, certainly a little bit of a uh, seesawing of, of manufacturing production numbers throughout much of the middle of this year, but but hopefully this is a sign of some, some strength moving forward. Again, part of that obviously is... is post-hurricane effects, but, but hopefully we'll see that um, trend continuing. Uh, and uh, if you look at capacity utilization for manufacturing, uh, it was the best uh, number really since May 2008, so 76.4% uh, capacity utilization rate for the sector. So uh, really nice numbers. Uh, in general, it was a really good week, I think, uh, for, for, for the economy overall. Not only did we see strong manufacturing production numbers, but we saw really strong retail sales numbers earlier in the week as well. So um, it's, to me, that's a sign that, that, again, that the economy in general is doing uh, pretty good, coming along, kind of ignoring all of the dysfunction in Washington and just simply focusing on, you know, just you know, seeing better trends globally, et cetera. Uh, Chad, not to talk about anything about dysfunction in Washington, because I don't believe that it, that really exists. Um, <laughs> that, that being said, uh, you know, talking from the manufacturing side, being that All Metals and Forge Group is a manufacturer of uh, metal raw materials, uh, the last uh, three months uh, we have seen significant increase in uh, business, number one. And number two, and yeah. more importantly, is that we're hearing from the uh, people, you know, the same people that you're doing your surveys from, uh, you know, they're, they're all talking it up. They're, they're, they're loving it. Yeah. There's uh, some major, major things going on. So uh, just to corroborate your story, uh, we concur. So I, I just pulled up here a, a graph that I, that I do in terms of, year-over-year -year growth rate by sector in manufacturing. Uh, uh -huh. Machinery had the best year-over-year -year rate, 7.2%, but primary metals was 7.1%. So we're seeing, kind of co corroborating you now this time, uh, really yeah. strong growth on, on, on the metal side. Um, uh, seven, yeah, 71 that's pretty robust growth. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that, that I, I also kind of want to put out there is that we're seeing strong numbers, not just in the United States. This is a global phenomenon. Uh, we're seeing the best data, not just sentiment data, but also GDP data and other figures in Europe that we've seen since the beginning of 2011, so six and a half years. Uh, and we're seeing uh, strong data coming out of a lot of other you know, markets as well. Uh, China and Brazil are certainly better than they were a year and a half ago. Canada is not having the, the drag from energy that it was seeing a, a year or so ago. So uh, we've actually seen exports, manufactured goods exports, up around 4% year-to-date. So that's another kind of positive for, for, the, for the U.S. manufacturing sector. So the, uh, going back to what you said about the Chinese manufacturing, uh, I, I do see that they're, they're having, what, five, six, seven months of uh, consecutive uh, increases. Uh, that's pretty significant for them in, in view of where they've been. Yeah, they're going to come in around six and a half percent. Excuse me, six point eight percent growth this year, year over year. Um, certainly better than where they were this time uh, last year. Uh, if you remember back at the t beginning of 2016, there was a lot of worry about whether China was going to send us into a global recession. Right? And certainly, that was mm -hmm. kind of what everyone was talking about. Uh, that's no longer the case. Uh, certainly, they still have risks out there and. Long-term, they're going to continue to slow their growth rate, but um, in general, we're seeing some strength there, and that's obviously helping not just them, but the rest of Asia, and that helps us as well. Meanwhile, I remember when China was at 12%, 14%, if those numbers were real. Yeah, well, there's always the asterisk after any Chinese number, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, you also can't you you can't grow at double digits forever, and and you're starting to see some signs of maturity in that in that market, and and uh, that's why I said long term you're going to continue to see those rates decelerate, right? Uh, uh, similar similar with India and other other kind of economies that are maturing uh, mm -hmm. in terms of from emerging from emerging you know moving from emerging markets to more of a of a developed economy. 
Uh, Chad, on another subject, which everyone's kind of waiting on pins and needles, particularly manufacturing, uh, the tax bill. I understand that the House has passed the tax bill, and it now goes to the Senate. What does it look like from NAM's perspective for its chances of getting passed in the Senate? You know, we have long, as you know, we've long supported comprehensive tax reform. Uh, it's just not competitive for us to, con- to continue to have the highest marginal tax rates in the world. Um, and so, um, you know, we've not not only pushed uh, corporate tax reform and moving to a territorial system, but you know, trying to do something as well for uh, the pass-through entities, which are part of our membership, which I probably I think that it probably includes you guys. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but it certainly is 90% of our members are pass-throughs. Uh, and we actually asked on our last survey, you know, if, if comprehensive business tax reform was enacted, you know, what would you do with those dollars? And uh, roughly 65% of our members said that they would increase capital spending. Uh, 64% said expand, they would expand their business. 57% said they would hire more workers. And just a little over half said they would increase employee wages and benefits. Um, and and we, we continue to use those numbers and others to suggest, to, to really show, uh, for, first I guess on the House, which obviously you just said that, that just passed, but also on the Senate side, that uh, we need comprehensive business tax reform to help grow the economy, uh, to make our, our companies more competitive uh, globally. And uh, certainly this, I think, is something that benefits both workers as well as you know just overall spending in the economy. Um, and so, you know, we're optimistic. We're going to continue to work uh, passage in the Senate, uh, ho- hopeful that, that something ha- can happen by, by the end of the year, as the, as the president has said. Um, so, again, uh, nice pat on the back that we got it through the House, but now we just have to get it through the Senate. Well, we certainly want to express our thanks to the National Association of Manufacturers for all of their efforts that they've undertaken to get these things to move forward in Washington, because as you know, it's been stuck for a great long time. So congratulations on uh, the House getting it passed, and we look forward to what happens in the Senate. The well, Senate's obviously going to be a lot trickier given the, given the margins, but again, we're going to work it um, as, as aggressively as we can. Lou? Uh, yeah, typically the Senate is a lot more difficult to deal with, am I correct, uh, in regards uh, to these types of issues? Well, there's just a lot of different um, uh, personalities involved and different constituencies involved. But mm-hmm. certainly, we're going to, as I said, make the case that it's it is good for all businesses, good for manufacturers, good for the employees, um, and I think that that hopefully will win the day in the end. Uh, Chad, you also come. I'm sorry, Chad. You also come out with a uh, a global survey. Um, uh, the second is it the second Thursday of each month from NAM. You you have it memorized, yeah. It's the second Thursday of every month. So we we just came out with the one, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. So that's uh, kind of really echoed, I think, some of the findings that I just discussed earlier in terms of how the global economy really is looking pretty good right now. Um, in fact, uh, kind of mirroring the overall European numbers, uh, you know, the IHS Market does a does a survey with J.P. Morgan. Um, the, the J.P. Morgan Global Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, nice mouthful, um, and it was the, it was growing at the fastest pace since March 2011. So that's that certainly is is good news for for manufacturers, good news for the overall economy. We need headwinds. I, uh, I was just going to say that's at about two two and a half percent. Is that correct? Uh, well. Uh, that that's that's what you're looking at for European GDP numbers. Um, yeah. Roughly 2.4 percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other, I guess the other the other kind of storyline I think of the year really with regard to to manufacturing and exports is the fact that yes the dollar is still stronger than it was three and a half years ago but we've actually seen the dollar uh, depreciate pretty substantially over the course of this year so far. Um, and in fact, uh, so far this year, um, I'm pulling up the number here. So far this year, the dollar has fallen 6.6%. So that's provided a little bit of a cushion for manufacturers as they're trying to increase those overall international sales. Is that the dollar is certainly getting a little cheaper? And how about headwinds? You know, I almost hate to ask the question, but we we heard so much about headwinds in 2016 and 2015, and those seem to have been uh, abated for the most part. We've got a lot of tailwinds at this point. 
Is is there uh, anything that makes anyone uncomfortable about going forward? Well, there certainly are always some geopolitical risk, right? Um, There's events going on around the world, North Korea, Catalonia and Spain, um, Brexit, which which are providing some some anxieties, I guess, for some folks. Uh, I I guess the, the other thing that I'll just simply put out there is just what I'll call policy uncertainty in general. Uh, especially in the United States. Uh, uh, as you know, a lot of our members uh, depend on trade, and so they're watching the, the NAFTA negotiations um, pretty closely. Uh, I think I've said this stat to you before, but you know we sell more uh, exports uh, to Canada and Mexico than the next top ten trading partners combined. And so uh, if you're a manufacturer in, you know, and many manufacturers consider their, you know, the domestic market to be North North America, not just U.S. Um, and so, with you know that in mind, certainly many of them are watching what's happening on the trade front pretty closely. Um, and so that's, I think, top of mind for a lot of our members right now. Yes, there's optimism about tax reform and regulations, and and hopefully infrastructure next year. And certainly the economy looks good. Uh, but there's also a little bit of anxiety or heartburn when it comes to what ha- might happen on trade. Well, I what do you think? Say, what, I was just going to follow up and uh, ask, where do you think the NAFTA issue is going to wind up going? Is this an yeah, important it, issue? It, it is. I mean, certainly Linda Dempsey, uh, who's our Vice President for International Affairs, is following that issue closely, um, making sure that uh, the administration knows our position uh, in terms of what we're hoping to get out of out of these NAFTA negotiations. Uh, in very clear, in clear and concise uh, way, in direct way. Um, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, we we, we hope that uh, any NAFTA renegotiation just simply involves modern, modernizing and updating the agreement, uh, but continuing to protect the overall supply chain that that we've kind of has existed over the last you know couple decades or more. Uh, but there's, but again, we're watching it with a lot of uh, anxiety because uh, certainly some of that those conversations have not been going in that direction. I almost sense it's a uh, negotiating gambit on the part of the president. Although usually the uh, I, I, I'm walking away from the table, not coming back is the last card you play, not the first one. But it'll be interesting to see how this finishes up. Uh, I, I, I guess I suspect, you're, I suspect you're right. Yeah. I, I'm wondering. Exports seem to be going strong as well um, because of the slightly weaker dollar and because of the world economies are picking up any sense from your members uh, Chad what they're looking forward to in 2018 uh, you know a continuance are we going to still see uh, GDP in the threes is that the sense of 2018 well I mean I think certainly with a strengthening economy um, uh, and especially if we get tax reform and infrastructure, I think uh, a three-handle in front of our GDP, it would be nice, right? Uh, and certainly doable. Um, I mean, I, I, I think uh, we're going to get, you know, well over 3% growth in the fourth quarter uh, right now, right? Which And, and you know, at least 2.3 or 4% growth for 2017, 2.7 or more for, for next year. But if we get some of those policies, I think three three percent is definitely doable. So that, in some ways, is a continuation of the current trend, but hopefully a strengthening. Um, uh, uh, keep in mind, though, just to kind of put it out there, I'm not giving any kind of warning or anything. But but uh, as we get past, I think it's April of next year, we will have had the longest uh, peacetime recovery ever, right? So. Um, that's certainly, uh, I think, well, I guess that's not true. I think maybe it's the second after the 90s. But but, but we're, we're certainly getting a little long in the tooth when it comes to the overall size of the recovery. And so that, right. I think, certainly on, on the part of some, some people's minds as well of, of, you know, when will it end, right? But uh, for now, at least, I don't, see, I, don't see, um, I don't see a recession on the horizon. No, I wouldn't imagine so. Luke? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, earlier in the conversation today, uh, Chad, you were mentioned about Brazil, and uh, we have uh, our focus on Brazil because we do some business down there in South America, but particularly Brazil. And Brazil is always, you know, in some kind of Dutch soup. Uh, and you, you mentioned that they are improving. Uh, is that improving to something better than Dutch soup, or uh, <laughs> are they really making some improvements? My sense is that Brazil is finally emerging from, a, you know, its very, very deep uh, recession. 
Um, you do business down there, so hopefully you're seeing some similar signs. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see some overall ex- expansion in in Brazil, uh, really for the first time in 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 a, in, in a number of years, uh, and uh, that, that obviously is a nice positive. Uh, I'm 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 pulling up uh, numbers. The overall forecast of growth for Brazil for GDP next year is is a little bit more than two percent. So. That's a nice welcome change from the negative growth that we've had over sure. much of the last few years. Yeah. Sure. Well, certainly, Chad, like Claire, faster growth, but that's that's something. Yeah, it's a, it's certainly positive. Chad, I know that the National Association of Manufacturers puts out a great deal of really excellent information as each week of the month goes by. Uh, before we sign off here, can you share with our listeners what they should be keeping their eye on from maybe now to the end of uh, November when we get you back on the next show? Well, I think the thing to watch uh, is, is retail sales. Um, retail sales numbers are really strong. I, I mentioned that kind of early on in, in, in this show. Uh, and holiday, obviously between now and the, the next time we would talk, uh, we'll have the holiday sales. Uh, holiday sales are expected. I, mean, I was just at a, at a meeting last week or so that said uh, holiday sales are supposed to be the best we've had since 2010 in terms of mm. growth rates. Um, uh, hopefully that's true, uh, and we have really strong numbers to come to show for that. Uh, in general, the consumers, much like businesses, are pretty optimistic right now. The economy is strengthening. Labor markets are tightening, and that obviously is a, is a nice recipe for really strong holiday sales. So that's the thing I, I would note uh, just to kind of look out for. Uh, hopefully we'll see additional passage uh, from a policy perspective of tax reform uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, but I think the thing that I would watch is, number one, retail sales and just look for continued kind of growth. As we get further away from the hurricanes, hopefully we'll still see strong numbers for manufacturing as well. Uh, given that some of the October growth was kind of a, a rebound effect. Great, Lou. Well, that's all great. That's all great stuff, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, uh, just to respond to a comment that you made uh, early, early in the show is, yes, we are a flow through on the tax reform issue ourselves. So we're looking forward to uh, seeing reduction in uh, in taxes. Uh, I'm not so sure these are tax reforms or just tax rebates or tax reduction, but uh, in either case, it puts more money into our pockets and more money into employees' pockets. And uh, so we're we're really excited about all that. Yep. Um, As am I. As am I. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everybody gets the paycheck is excited. Chad, again, thanks for being with us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you much, Chad. Thanks. Enjoy. I'll look forward to seeing the post next week. We'll, we'll retweet it out. Okay, great, great, great. Thank you. Okay, thanks. See you. We Bye. appreciate the help. And we've been speaking with Chad Moutre, who is the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. They can be found online at nam.org. I would check them out. And we'll be right back with more from Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks. Just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. In this segment, we're interviewing Royce Lowe. Royce is our senior international correspondent for EU and the UK, covering all of the countries of the EU and whatever is happening in the UK, which is usually uh, interesting. Royce, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you, Tim and Lou. It's nice to be here. Thank you. As Glad to always. have you on the air with us. So what's going on uh, up there in uh, old UK land in oh. Brexit? I understand well, that there's all kinds of confusion going on. It's 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 total. I mean, this is what, uh, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, this is what I've been forecasting for months. That it will, it, it's been it's been total confusion, and it, it's it's becoming more and more uh, confused. The uh, 
See, basically, it's, it's sort of like two um, two football teams, if you you know, for want of a better uh, um, example these days. But it's like two football teams playing defence all the time and not wanting to get to the centre line, you know. And um, effectively, um, the the Europeans are saying to the uh, to the UK, you have to settle the business about the bill. Uh, the, the, this seems to be the biggest bone of contention right now. There's the bill, and there's the um, there's the Irish border question, and then there's the rights of the citizens. But what's it, what's up front right now is the bill, uh, and of course you've got the. Um, uh, the offer on the table from the UK is uh, is 20 billion pounds, or, or no, 20 billion euros, sorry. And uh, what the um, Europeans are saying, well, it's not 20; it's nearer 60. It's more like 60. So the uh, the Brits That's are making uh, another offer, sort of in in between the two. <laughs> so what's this the likelihood of this not going through? Well. Uh, that's a damn good question, Lou. Uh, that in fact there are more and more people uh, in both Europe and uh, and the UK these days thinking the same thing that uh, that it won't go through. Um, every time uh, some some sort of faction of, uh, of one party or the other says, well, maybe we shouldn't have a Brexit. Maybe we should just get back in the EU. Uh, there are people that come out and say, well, yeah, but the British people voted to get out of the EU. And you've got idiots like this guy, Boris Johnson, uh, who, who was the guy that engineered the thing in the first place, um, saying, well, we, we, can, we can do it. If, you know, we can, we can do anything. You know, we, 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 we're British for a thing, you know, one of those guys. And, um, and effectively, uh, it's, it's probably still on the table. Uh, it's probably still a possibility that, um, that, that, they, that they won't be, but I would say it's more probable that they will get out. And uh, they're also saying they may, they may get out with, without the so-called deal, which would be absolute chaos. Uh, if, you, if you can imagine that, that there, are, there are thousands and thousands of trucks uh, going both ways across that little strip of water, uh, every day, that, and they are literally thousands, and, and they go over these days with, they, they just go, they just go, there's no paperwork or anything. Um, uh, but of course, when, uh, de depending upon the deal they get or don't get, uh, all these trucks that go over are going to have to fill in the form. Uh, if you can imagine that, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> and probably, probably the truck drivers can't either, but th that's effectively what it's going to end up as. But, they'll be lined uh, up all the way to southern France. They'll be lined up all the way to kingdom comes, as you might say. <laughs> we just don't know. And, and, and the bottom line is that we, that we don't know. Now, there's supposed to be a, a, a counteroffer made by the uh, U.K. this week on the, um, on the exit bill, as they call it. And, uh, but it, I think that's in a couple of days from now. Uh, we'll just have to wait, so wait and see. Uh, as we've been doing, I mean, there are only about uh, we're looking at 16 months, and we all know, particularly when we get to our sort of age, <laughs> how quickly 16 months passes. And uh, in in fact, it's been 16 months since the since the vote. And and really, to, to put it mildly, hardly anything's happened. So you have uh, 16 months. Uh, left, uh, at which time, it's sometime at some, something of March uh, 2019, uh, when, uh, when Britain's supposed to exit. Now, what they're talking about is a, is a transitional period. In other words, they're saying to the EU, uh, okay, well, can we have a, a, a two-year transition period uh, whereby we stay in the... Um, uh, we stay in the customs union or the single market, and, and we, we can basically trade as before. Uh, so it, it's effectively uh, what's happening, of course, is, is that the Brits uh, are on the back foot. They're, they're, have, they're, they're having to ask for things that they didn't want to ask for, that they didn't think they'd have to ask for uh, at the beginning of this thing. Uh, but effectively... Um, they're uh, they're very much on 
the defensive these days, and um, they, they, they have to go out and, and say something uh, concrete to the EU. Uh, this is what we are prepared to do. And, and of course, it's going to come down to it's going to come down to this bill, this uh, 60 billion uh, euro bill, uh, plus the Irish border, plus the rights of the citizens. Uh, but the funniest thing of late is that they they come out and said that they don't have enough um, people uh, to to work in the um, in the department that's looking after Brexit. In other words, uh, that the, the the Home Office saying they're struggling to recruit enough people to prepare for Brexit, and they may need to hire Eastern Europeans to do the work, which, of course, is a complete turnaround because this whole thing started uh, by people saying, well, we've got too many Eastern Europeans in this country and we want to stop them coming in. So it's, it's, it's ironic, to say the least. Well, That's basically uh, Royce... what's going on these days. <laughs> Royce, back in back in the day, shortly after the vote for Brexit, very shortly mm-hmm. after, wasn't it determined that the way that that Brexit bill was written, that the people who voted for it afterwards then got to read and understand what was going to happen? Didn't they then realize uh, that, wait a minute, that's not what we thought this was. Let's have another yeah. vote. And then that got voted uh, down. No, there was vote. no, there was no question of another vote. But 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 what is um, what is uh, what what has been coming to the fore ever since ever since the vote is the fact that people that vote. I, I think I'm not saying everybody. It's a little bit like saying everybody that voted for Trump. But uh, I, I don't think everybody voted for it, but, but I think mo- most of the people that voted for Brexit were, were voting against immigration. That was the issue. That was the major issue. In fact, they, they, um, they went out and, and, and took emails and, and texts and all, all the way people communicate, and they did studies. And, and this was effectively what it was about. Um, that the, the word that there are some people that uh, that still believe in the British Empire that that, that thinks Britannia still rules the waves and that, that England is still the greatest country in the world, but um, the, the, but it's not, and um, and and they didn't. After a while, they didn't understand what was going on, and it has become so complex. Uh, that the, the lawyers are the lawyers are talking about it on the radio. Everybody's talking about it on the best radio that Britain has got, and uh, even some of the uh, some of the better, uh, in fact, some of the best uh, radio broadcasters don't understand everything that's going on with Brexit. And of course, they need manufacturing got, uh, talk radio there. Uh, that's absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> We'll explain it to him. Yeah, so so it's uh, it's 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 still it's still a bit chaotic to put it mildly, and uh, you know we'll we'll just have to uh, we'll have to wait and see what comes out. There's something supposed to be be decided in in mid December about the bill, yeah. uh, but it, but somebody might come out and say, well, it's getting a little near Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wait till mid January. Who knows? Well, now that now that we fully understand Brexit, let's talk about uh, <laughs> the the general economies and production and manufacturing in uh, in Europe, and uh, give us kind of an update on that. Well, the uh, in 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 Europe, the eurozone, uh, it's it's still doing very well. It's uh, the PMIs in the mid uh, the mid eighties. Germany, the Netherlands, and Austria are all all around 60 PMI. Um, Italy is in there. France is in there. Everybody's uh, in growth, even Greece, and uh, it's it's basically uh, the best it's been for uh, for 80 months. It's 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 effectively an 80 month high, and. Um, we don't uh, we don't at the moment see see anything changing, um, at least not in the you know not in the uh, not in the near term. But there again, as we know um, these days, anything can change at the drop of a hat. But um, 
uh, as far as normal as far as the normal trend goes um it's uh, it's looking very good um right. in the in the uk uh, it's still it's still it's, the uk is just over 56 uh, slightly upon september um uh, they as as you may or may not know they just put the interest rates up in uh, in the uk because the inflation rate uh, is around 3% and uh, this this is a, this is another thing of uh, you know this is another thing of contention because when when the the Brexit broke uh, the Brexit broke the Brexit vote uh, came in uh, the pound immediately sank ten fifteen percent and and so this is you know they uh, they're obviously having to pay more for imported stuff and they do import an awful lot of stuff so they finally they decide to put the interest rate up because of the inflation rate. Um, one very interesting thing that's come out of the UK of late is uh, is this society of, of motor manufacturers and traders. Uh, these are the people that keep the, the beady eyes on the uh, automotive industry over there. And they're actually forecasting uh, that uh, the uh, sales of automobiles in 2019 will be down 11% on what they were in 2016. So... Uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, on, on the one hand, even though it doesn't look from the manufacturing thing at the moment that uh, that, that they are in trouble. In fact, what they're saying is that uh, uh, by 2019, the average Brit, if if things go through uh, the way they think they might, um, will be better off. So they won't be buying as many um, as many automobiles. That's uh, that's one thing that's come through. Uh, one other interesting thing, of course, in Europe is that the uh, the, the diesel sales are uh, are coming down uh, quite significantly in in the last few months because of the uh, the pollution thing. It's it's not so much a, nothing, not so much anything to do with the VW scandal of a couple of years ago. It's the fact that they're finally getting serious. I mean, we use diesel much, much more in uh, in uh, in Europe than you do in the U.S. In fact, it's it's hardly significant in the U.S., I don't think, is it? Well, it seems as though that the latest uh, technology here that uh, Tesla is, uh, Tesla is uh, mm-hmm. creating a, an electronic truck, which will... Oh, yeah, so pretty much uh, destroy the diesel uh, industry, diesel uh, fuel uh, system, and uh, these trucks will be able to drive 24-7 with no people in it, so it'll be cheaper and (laughs) cheaper, quicker, and so on and so forth. I do want to ask you a question. Um, uh, You know, we don't go political, but here goes. Uh, what's the what's the latest and greatest uh, view uh, in Europe right now with regards to our illustrious uh, Mr. Uh, uh, President Trump? You're, you're already like laughing. Poll or you come out with this one every three months. <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't think there's any. I don't think there will ever be any change in um, in, in Europe's opinion of Trump until Trump starts, you know, takes his foot out of his mouth. Because every time the guy goes any place, uh, he he has to make a, a complete idiot of himself, and he never fails to do that. And no, he's a master at yeah, exactly, and we're not used to seeing this kind of thing from. Uh, I mean, Boris Johnson, of course, is, is is Britain's answer. I mean, he's got he's got blonde uh, blonde hair and uh, and a midriff too, but uh, he's he's quite a bit younger than um, than Trump, and I think he's much more articulate. But he he still goes blustering along. But the um, no, the uh, I I I don't think uh, Trump's popular anywhere, quite frankly, except among uh, certain factions of the United States. Uh, the people just don't uh, people look at him and they, they they just don't believe him. They just don't believe that this man is uh, is president of the United States. And uh, you saw what happened in China. You they were in in in. Um, 
they, they, they were demonstrating against him in China. They were burning flags in uh, uh, in the Philippines. Uh, the, the guy that the 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 uh, what's his name Duterte or Duterte, uh, the guy in the Philippines was just made a complete idiot of Trump, and uh, so did Xi Jinping, but he was much more subtle about it. Uh, and uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's supposed to come. It's supposed to come to to Britain. Uh, I it's supposed to. I'm, I'm not sure it's been fixed up yet, but. Uh, I can't see anybody standing, you know, forming a parade in the UK uh, unless uh, his friend, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Farage, uh, organises it. It's, it's, it's just not popular, Lou. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a bit of a joke, actually, put it mildly. A scary joke. Well, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, but hopefully, uh, I mean, there are enough. Hopefully, there are enough sane people in the United States, and I know that there are because I've, I've I've spent a lot of time in the United States in the past, and uh, um, I know you've got an awful lot of very good, very intelligent people there, and uh, uh, you know this was why I was shocked when it happened. But but uh, I'm sure you'll pull pull through, but. Uh, uh, I suppose the big test of this will be, is, is this guy going to get a second term? And if he gets a second term, we'll have to... I mean, uh, a lot of people wondered when George Bush got a second term, what well, W got a second term. But I think if this guy gets a second term, then uh, lots of people will be asking lots of questions. Well, all that depends I, I think a lot of, of this is my opinion, but I know that the Europeans, I, I, I do speak to uh, I speak to people in France about it, and I have friends here who are Dutch and um, and um, German, and um, it's, it's basically the same, the same thing. Nobody, nobody to, believes it. They're beginning to talk Sorry. up Joe Biden again, uh, even though right. he's going to be a he's going to be a real old bugger. But uh, in my personal opinion, he made a significant mistake when he decided not to run, uh, because if mm-hmm. he ran, if he ran, Hillary wouldn't have won the campaign and he would have gone against Trump. And the same mm-hmm. morality, the same majority, same majority would wind up uh, voting for Biden. But in that in that. Uh, in that regard, how are countries like uh, uh, Spain and uh, Portugal and uh, Germany and Greece uh, doing based on this past month's activity? Well, um, Germany, uh, as far as uh, as far as manufacturing goes, uh, Portugal doesn't doesn't normally figure in the figures. Actually, I haven't um, be very honest. I haven't I haven't checked checked them out, but. Um, um Spain uh, Spain are doing well Italy is doing well um Ireland is they're, they're all they're all still in growth I mean Greece is at 52.1 not long ago it was at 40 46 point something uh the, 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 there are there are political issues uh, I I don't know if the news got over there yet but um uh, Angela Merkel is having a problem uh, forming a coalition government and they're saying that if worse comes to worse there may be another election in Germany which I'm sure would please old Donald Trump knowing but um, no the, the the manufacturing thing in uh, in, in Europe uh, it it took off quite a while, quite a while after the one in the US uh, and it's it's still um, it's still effectively going strong um, there are political issues in Europe that, you know, the 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 right is uh, is rising, sort of thing. Uh, it has been for some time. Uh, uh, in France, uh, we're seeing um, we, we, we saw uh, Macron's popularity drop. It's coming back again. Uh, I mean, the guy has come out and said that uh, that what he plans, it will take two years to see. Um, any particularly uh, deep change in, uh, for example, in the employment across the country. As you, as you probably know, we've got almost 10% unemployment in France. And uh, yeah. even though we're very productive, uh, the, even though uh, the UK is, is much less productive than France, uh, with its 4-point-something percent uh, uh, unemployment rate. Well, right, yeah, we expect. 
uh, we expect that uh, the EU and the UK will continue to do well, and uh, somehow they'll figure out Brexit. We've got to go at the moment, but we appreciate you joining us back on Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we'll speak with you again uh, on next week and next month's uh, global show. Thank you very much. It's been nice talking to you. Have a good Cheerio. rest of the day. And we've been talking with Royce Lowe, who's our senior international correspondent who handles the U.K. and the E.U. here on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're here with Chung Wang, who is our senior international correspondent who speaks with us from China. He is in China, covering China, the Koreas, Japan, what's all happening on the Asian seaboard. Chung, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Good morning, Tim. It's good to be back. So give us an update. We've been talking with a number of people on the purchasing managers indexes around the world, indices. Uh, Are things going well in China? Uh, things are steady. Uh, from last month, the Purchasing Manager Index, the Taishin PMI, has been at 51. And in October, it's persistently still at 51, uh, unchanged. Uh, this is in line with market consensus. Uh, output rose slightly. New orders growth picked up a little bit. Uh, confidence softened a bit uh, to its second lowest level since August 2016. And at the same time, uh, export orders went up uh, modestly, and buying activity increased modestly. Uh, employment fell slightly, and uh, extending the current the sequence of job shedding to four years. Uh, environmental policies probably had to do with the sharp rise in input costs and weighed over on vendor performance. Uh, and overall, this uh, manufacturing s- sector is still expanding. Uh, slightly and steadily. Can you explain to our listeners, Chung, what is happening in China in terms of the environmental push by the Chinese government and its impact on manufacturers? Yes, absolutely. This has, has been the topic for several several of our shows lately because it is the, the biggest go uh, thing for uh, Chinese manufacturers. Actually, many manufacturers have went out of business because of this environmental uh, push. The, uh, since uh, a year ago, the government has started its uh, strict crackdown on uh, what used to be very loosely uh, controlled environmental regulation. Now, any company caught not fully abiding to those regulations will be closed down reform, either closed down for, uh, for, for restructuring reform, or they will be closed down forever. So uh, many com- companies, smaller companies, went bankrupt. This affected many industries, but the most affected are two industries. One is the coal production industry, and one is the steel industry. Being that China is the world's largest steel producer, uh, this steel industry Closing of shops, reduction of production capacity has affected uh, downstream companies all over the world because a lot of those companies use uh, steel produced in China. Uh, Chung, uh, this yes. past uh, past uh, week or week and a half, uh, our illustrious uh, President Trump has uh, been uh, to Asia, the Asia markets, and been in China and uh, supposedly signed uh, all kinds of deals, none of which were uh, binding as uh, binding transactions, as I understand it. What was the, uh, the, the temperature of the people that he was there? Or did they even see him? Oh, they did. They did. He, he was, uh, while in China, he was in the uh, Hall of the People as the, as the Chinese government's largest banquet hall and meeting hall. And uh, I believe several thousands were present uh, to see Trump and also see a video of his daughter uh, talking in Chinese, which is, uh, which is really viral on the Internet, on the Chinese Internet right now. Uh, yeah, I did that once. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Oh, oh, yes, you did that once, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, didn't, didn't quite work out well. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah. So during this trip uh, about China, uh, 
supposedly his he brought a delegation of U.S. business people, and they signed uh, contracts, many contracts, in total worth 253 billion U.S. dollars. But of course, a lot of it is not binding. The only binding contracts in there, uh, the major one, is the purchase of uh, 300 Boeing jetliners. That is worth about 37 billion dollars. Uh, and mobile phone chips from Qualcomm worth 12 billion dollars. And General Electric jet engines about 2 billion dollars. And soybeans 1.6 billion dollars. Uh, but, but these are, uh, besides the jetliners, all of the other ones are really uh, annual reoccurring purchases. So, uh, so the um, this is only making the number look good, but actually it's, it's not real new business. Uh, correct, however, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Chung. Uh, China Energy Corporation uh, did sign a theoretical agreement for, I think, $250 million to open up uh, a clean coal uh, uh, processing plant in our coal country, and I believe it's primarily in West Virginia. Uh, are, are you aware of that? Yes, that's actually one of the biggest projects they had uh, on the plate. Uh, and not only West Virginia, but also Alaska. And it's not actually for producing coal because China is currently cracking down on coal, on coal consumption uh, because of the smog. I'm, I'm kind of living in, in the smog right now, so I, I feel the pain too. Um, so because of the crackdown on coal, uh, Chinese companies, uh, producers especially, are suffering from a shortage of uh, heat resource and, uh, and energy. And as the winter, it currently it's already winter and the north is very cold, and uh, public heating it needs to use a lot, of the, um, a lot of the fuel, which is now, by a larger percentage, going to be natural gas. Um, a lot of companies are facing stoppage of service from natural gas companies. Uh, natural gas imports soared 25% this year into China. So, um, but currently they're mainly importing from Australia, East and Central Asian countries, and have contract to import from Russia in 2018. But that still does not mean China's growing actually skyrocketing demand for natural gas. So those projects in West Virginia and Alaska, those projects, are actually for compressed natural gas production uh, for uh, consumption in, in China's industry. So how is that going to uh, help the unemployed from the coal industry here in the United States? Because that's the uh, story that's being touted that uh, China Energy is going to wind up uh, hiring all these former coal people and bring them into uh, the new China Energy Corporation. Or is this just part of the myth that we're spinning? Well, uh, hiring the, according to the announcement uh, between President Xi and President Trump, they will be. They will create what? How many thousands of jobs? And uh, a lot of those will be former coal producers, but transitioning, uh, transitioning to gas production. So, uh, uh, Chung, we're having technical difficulties apparently uh, from here to China. Could you just speak up a little bit louder, please? The, uh, yes. Yes. I'm here. Thank you. So I think most likely the the bulk of the production will be natural gas. Workers may have to uh, transition into uh, new roles, but definitely there will be uh, jobs created if this goes ahead. Well, that's good. We're going to have to start touting it to some of our coal people down in uh, Virginia and tell them that uh, you know give it up and transition. Some, some of them sit, still sit on their porch playing banjos, so uh, we got to get them to work in uh, new environments. Really? Well, I, I love American country music, so um, 
<laughs> so, Chung, uh, uh, kind of quickly to wrap things up, what's happening in the Koreas and Japan? Uh, Japan industry is suffering uh, recently because last month the, the scandal with Kobe Steel, which is the third largest steel company in Japan, and uh, it has been reported that over the past 10 years or more, uh, some of their subsidiary companies have been sending uh, unqualifying material to their customers, which uh, currently they know includes 20,000 tons of aluminum products and 2,000 tons of copper products. And also they found some steel products in there as well. And those materials have already been used by the top companies in the world, including Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Mitsubishi, uh, GM, and even Boeing and Airbus. And not only these industries, but also in the nuclear industry, they have been used in nine nuclear reactors in Japan, uh, including the Fukushima reactor, which blew up, uh, melted down, actually. Um, But it's not to say that their material was the cause, but it was used in that plant. So this is a, a bitter scandal for all of the Japanese companies uh, involved, and they're still, uh, investigation is still ongoing. So, Chung, when this story broke, and uh, All Metals and Forge Group does buy uh, materials, uh, not only domestically, but overseas, and uh, we had many requests from our clients about uh, had we used any Kobe steel in any of their projects. And we put out a blanket statement about uh, uh, how we handle uh, materials that come in, particularly from overseas, where we do double and triple testing, and uh, you know, put out this statement as an open, uh, open letter. Uh, my question is, uh, what are they going to do about this? I mean, they knowingly did uh, perform these scandals, uh, who's going to jail? Who's going to fall on the uh, blade? Well, uh, according, yeah. uh, according to the um, managers, they, they didn't know about this. It was the uh, quality staff that falsified reports, uh, according to them, and that they will take the company will take full responsibility for any customer claims, um, and they're also heading up their own internal investigation. Uh, but what is strange is that over 10 years, and none of their customers found out until now. Uh, if they were as responsible as All Metals and Forge Group and retest all their material, they would have found out 10 years ago. Well, the, I'm not so sure that there's concern about the fact that the material either meets or doesn't meet specification. They've had no claims of uh, metallurgical failure. But the thing is that there is still a, if not a criminal, but certainly an ethical uh, uh, issues that have been broken. Uh, I would think that the uh, the management of Kobe Steel would be jumping up and down and heads would roll. I don't hear any of that going on. Uh, not yet. Not yet, but we'll see. In, in the past few years when there were scandals, uh, especially large-scale scandals in, in Japan and Korea, what I've, uh, in many cases, and not long afterwards, you, you find uh, one of the uh, key people might you know, commit suicide. But, uh, well, that, but I, that's, I, a, I, that's a little rash. <laughs> yeah, well, for tradition, it is an honorable thing to do. Yes, uh, certainly tradition unusual. Uh, just real quickly, how are the Koreas doing? Uh, it looks like North Korea is still chugging along well, despite whatever sanctions we can load on them. Uh, how are they doing? It looks that way, but they've been pretty quiet with their missiles uh, for, for recently. And um, although it is reported that they may be building a ballistic submarine, but uh, there was a recent Korean def- North Korean defector that was, uh, that was shot while he crossed the demilitarized zone and uh, is now being treated in the South Korean hospital. Uh, 
this defector supposedly is a driver for a government official. So he, he is among the uh, better treated class in North Korea and it was reported that they found many, many parasites in his body. So uh, the, um, the, what doctors believe is that the situation, the hygiene situation in North Korea is really becoming very, very bad. Uh, people's health may be affected. No, airplane flights there and hotel rates are pretty inexpensive, so uh, you know, they ought to start getting some tourists back there, get rid of the parasites. Get rid of the parasites. <laughs> <laughs> through the story, so. Right. Yeah, good idea. Well, well Sean, we always, uh, we always enjoy having you on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We appreciate the update on China and Japan and, and Korea. Uh, and we'll get back together again with you in a month when you come back on and give us another update for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for being with us. All right. Well, that begins to wrap up our global show. We realize it uh, can be quite lengthy. There's a lot of information to cover when we zip around the world with our various senior international correspondents and our contributors. We hope you've enjoyed it. We certainly do want to remind you to go to MFG Talk Radio. You'll find the logo for Women and Manufacturing, W-A-M, WAM. Click on that and check out our seven hosts that we have for that show. As Lou pointed out at the top of this show, we have two shows up. We have others coming excellent material we're very excited about the content all of our content is at mfgtalkradio.com tune in anytime to listen to our podcast and we appreciate you continuing to listen to manufacturing talk radio thanks for joining us on manufacturing talk radio you can hear our next broadcast each tuesday at 1 p.m eastern standard time at mfgtalkradio.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.